Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is episode 16, recorded on Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019. The title of this episode is Hanging Out with Werwer founder Haley Bell. In this episode, Gene and I interview Haley Bell, who is the founder and the main driving force behind the Women Writers World Relay. I also talk a little bit about a DVD and a book on writing technique that I just finished. Also, a new part for my Z900 RS, some new gear that could really help protect you in an accident, and a non-motorcycle podcast that I appeared on recently to help promote motorcycling to people who don't yet ride. So just a a little bit of a warning for parents. Um, If you're listening with kids, uh, just be aware that there is some explicit language in this episode. Nothing major, but a a couple F-bombs and and things of that sort. It was kind of an adult conversation with Haley Bell. Um, Really, really good conversation, but just wanted you to be aware of that. Just, uh, you know, if if you have young kids, uh, you're listening in the car or at home or something like that, just so you can kind of check it out and decide if you want to have them listen with you or not. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. I'd like to give a shout out to listener Adrian Northam from Rio Rancho, New Mexico, Adrian is also a follower of my Facebook page, and so we've gotten to be friends on Facebook. And he mentioned in a chat that we had that he had a great bike at one time, but that he sold her because of a close call that scared him from riding. I'm sure a lot of other riders have had that experience also. He really wants to start riding again and mentioned he'd like to hear an episode about metric cruisers for new or returning riders. He hasn't ridden in about seven years and is considering a Kawasaki Vulcan 900, a Honda Shadow 1100, or a Yamaha Roadstar 1300. So Adrian, uh, definitely thank you for being a listener. That is awesome. I'm glad you're also following my Facebook page, and uh, I'm glad that you, uh, you, know, you, you let me know about this. Um, as far as putting an episode together, that's a possibility. The only thing is, you know, I've, I've only been doing episodes on topics that, you know, I feel knowledgeable about. I don't have to be an expert, but things that I'm knowledgeable about. So I've never ridden any of those bikes uh, and I haven't I've never ridden a large cruiser. But uh, if, if any else, anyone else listening has experience or opinions about one or more of these bikes, please let me know. And I'll, I'll definitely pass the information on to Adrian. And then, uh, you know, if there is someone who, who's got a lot of knowledge, I'm sorry, a lot of knowledge and uh, definitely could help out Adrian. You know, maybe we could talk about having you on the show um, because, again, as much as possible, you know, I want, I want to make sure you're getting the correct information and just being that I don't have direct experience with those bikes. There's not a lot I can say, although, you know, I can try to do a little research here and there. But Adrian, just some thoughts that I had regarding, you know, being a returning rider and, and getting started again is one, I would say you definitely want to find the right bike for you. And, and it sounds like, you, you know, you've done a lot of thinking about this probably and, and some research, and so you've got it narrowed down to these bikes. Um, but, you know, definitely you want a bike that fits you properly. You know, in my opinion, I, I, like I can kind of tell when I sit on a bike, you know, whether it's like at a motorcycle show or at a dealer, just how suited the bike is to me, you know, how well it fits my size, my height, you know, my arm length, my, my leg length, and, and et cetera. 
And of course, a lot of those things can be adjusted. There's lots of ways in which bikes can be fitted to you. So that's the other thing I would suggest. It might be a little bit tougher if you're buying a used bike, uh, but definitely if you're buying a new bike or a used bike from a dealer, you know, talk with them and, and find, a, find a dealer who's willing to really work with you and set the bike up for you properly, you know, can make adjustments to the bike if, if that's not something that you're, you know, uh, accustomed to doing or comfortable doing, but, you know, maybe you are. Or, you know, even who knows enough about, accessories aftermarket parts or, or even you know oem parts that could be replaced or, or added to make the bike fit you better so i think that's really really important you know even things like just adjusting the suspension properly you know that's something which actually i need to do on my bikes i have i'm still riding both bikes you know with the the, the suspension the way they came set up from the factory it's not that there's any particular problem but uh, i do know that's something that you know <clears throat> Different riders, depending on their weight, need to get the, the suspension adjusted you know, for them so there's the proper amount of sag and, and those kind of things. And then the other thing regarding you know, you're probably in a position of wanting to get your confidence back. As far as that goes, the best advice I could give you is you know, definitely take courses. You know, um, you're in New Mexico, so I'm not quite sure what is available there, but you're not that far from California and other areas you know, where you could definitely do total control courses or you, know, you can find places that offer Motorcycle Safety Foundation courses. Uh, so, so take courses, you know, uh, freshen your skills, build new skills, and then I would definitely recommend you know, practicing a lot, like with a program like Moto Jitsu, you know, which is one of the things that Gene and I have been doing. So that when you're not in a course, you know, or you're not out on a ride, you have a little bit of time. You're constantly practicing, 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 honing your skills, getting accustomed to the motorcycle, learning what does and doesn't work well with it and, and things of that sort. This way you're, you're like always working to improve your skills. So, like I said, definitely glad to have you as a listener, and uh, I think it's really awesome that you're, uh, you're, you're a returning rider. I'm pretty sure you're in the, the returning rider Facebook group that I have on my Facebook page. So I definitely, you know, we'll do whatever I can to help you get going again, and I'd love for you to share your experience as you get back into riding and, and you, you get another bike. And like I said, any listeners that have suggestions or ideas, you know, please send it in, either email or the Facebook page or whatever, and uh, I'll... You know, if you're not Facebook friends with Adrian, by all means, you know, you could find Adrian Northam on uh, Facebook and friend him if you want. And otherwise, I will pass along the information. So, yeah, Adrian, look forward to hearing the good news for you in the future. So at the opening of the show, I mentioned some news and other topics that I'd be talking about. So I just wanted to go over them quickly now. One of the things I mentioned is that I recently completed a DVD and a book on writing techniques. So those were, uh, the DVD is A Twist of the Wrist by Keith Code. Uh, the subtitle of that DVD is The Motorcycle Riders DVD. It's copyright 1988, so I guess it's about when it was produced. And the book is A Twist of the Wrist 2 by Keith Code, the subtitle of which is The Basics of High Performance Motorcycle Riding, which is copyright 1993 through 2013. So I'm guessing over that period he probably made some updates and things to the book. So the, uh, the DVD, actually, A Twist of the Wrist Part 2, is a part of the knowledge that's recommended for the Moto Jitsu program when you're doing your white belt. So that's the thing that got me interested in A Twist of the Wrist. And so I kind of figured, you know, I had gone actually to Keith Code's website, uh, you know, for the uh, sorry, California Superbike School. Um, you know, and I found that they're available there as well as on Amazon.com. And, and so I saw that there was, you know, two versions of the book and then two versions of the DVD. And so the DVDs kind of go hand in hand with the book. So you have the book, A Twist of the Wrist, and then A Twist of the Wrist DVD. And then later he published A Twist of the Wrist 2, the, the book, and then I guess followed up with A Twist of the Wrist 
tube, you know, the, the DVD. So I, I know I kind of mixed them together there a little bit. It's kind of interesting that I, you know, ended up Gene and I actually watched the DVD together, uh, Twist of the Wrist, the, the, the first DVD. And then uh, actually I found the books. They're, they're available as uh, eBooks for Amazon Kindle. So I started reading the uh, A Twist of the Wrist 2. So I kind of mixed them up kind of backwards. So, and, and I do want to fill in because I want to have the, the knowledge in, in all of them. But so I, I kind of just figured, you know, I, I know uh, Keith Code is very well known and California Superbike School is very well known. So I figured why not, why not get both, even though there's kind of the earlier ones that maybe are updated a little bit in the, the second volumes of the DVD and book. I figured why not kind of study them all and, and kind of get the, the, the whole picture. So an interesting thing about these DVDs and books is I, I mentioned in episode seven, I uh, talked about the book Dianetics and the fact that it, it helped me so much in my life that I decided to become a trained Dianetics counselor so that I could help others, you know, with, with Dianetics. And in the DVD credits for A Twist of the Wrist, Keith gives a thank you to L. Ron Hubbard and the book Dianetics, and he mentions L. Ron Hubbard in the books A Twist of the Wrist Volumes 1 and 2. And actually, if you pay attention while you're watching the first DVD, A Twist of the Wrist, you'll actually see that uh, there's a scene where one, one of the actors, he's sitting down in a chair and he's wearing a Dianetics t-shirt, uh, the, the red t-shirt with the yellow lettering, which I, I thought was really cool. It's just, it's just an interesting connection how Keith worked that into the DVD. So what's interesting is if you know Dianetics, if you've read the book and you've studied the subject, you can see how the concepts in that book factored into Keith Code's thinking and approach to riding and racing motorcycles and also to the system he developed for teaching others how to ride and race motorcycles. So I just found that to be like a really, really cool connection. So, of course, you need to read the books and watch the DVDs yourself to see what Keith actually talks about. Um, So I'm just going to say enough here to hopefully whet your appetite enough so that you want to study them yourself. I'm not going to try to cover everything and, you know, reproduce what's in the book, because obviously, if you want to know what Keith Code has to say about motorcycle riding and racing, you know, read his books and and watch his DVDs. So, um, but do definitely, you know, if if you've either read or if if you're familiar with the books and DVDs or, you know, you're going to read them, watch the DVDs, uh, either way, like, let me know what you think about them. Um... You know, if you have watched them, read them already, you know, what you've gotten out of them. And, and even like if uh, if you've been to the California Superbike School, you know, done some of the courses or all of the courses there, you know, let me know about it. I'd, I'd really be uh, curious to hear. Um, at some point, I think if I can arrange it, it'd be really cool to get Keith on the podcast. So I'll have to see if, if I can work that out. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I just thought I'd kind of briefly go over what I got out of what I've learned so far from a twist of the wrist. And like I said, hopefully it gets you interested in learning the material, too. There are, of course, you know, lots of authors, and lots of books on the subject of motorcycle riding and racing. And I'm definitely interested in studying all of them because I know one of the points that was made and I forget, you know, which instructor made it. But I, I'd seen a, I think it was a YouTube video where one of the motorcycle instructors made the point. And I thought it was a really good one of, you know, each motorcycle school and each uh, each instructor and each kind of approach to motorcycle instruction, you know, they, they have their own ideas and techniques, but to really get the most out of motorcycling, it makes sense to kind of study them all because they all have strengths and weaknesses. And more importantly, you know, find out which ones work the best for you and which ones align the most for you. Cause we are all different individuals. And so, you know, 
a, a difficulty you're having in some area of your motorcycling may be handled better by you know by by one school of thought you know by one instructional school than another or by by one book than another so it kind of makes sense to 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 you know study all of what's out there and then come to your own conclusions about the best way to approach your motorcycling and so that's you know for example uh fast eddie and his moto jitsu program you know in in the book moto jitsu in that booklet you know for each belt there's different books or dvds and things that he recommends so basically you, you get the full gamut of of what's out there and what's available so let me say first so the book a twist of the wrist uh two uh it, it's definitely a, a well-written book and uh keith definitely gets his points across I, I think they're communicated very well and you can really pick up on what he's talking about and i think it's really cool too that you know he then later came out with a dvd for each because it's with a subject like this you know a subject like motorcycling which is a doing activity where you're learning about something that you actually do with physical things like a motorcycle um it's very hard to learn just by reading you know just just by the theory of it and so you know, I've studied some things about the, the, the subject of study and how people best study. And one of the things that's the case is it can be very difficult for a student to pick up a subject if they don't have the mass with which the subject is associated. So what's good is, you know, ideally, right, so if you're learning how to ride a motorcycle, the ideal thing is to have a motorcycle there so that you're touching the motorcycle and manipulating the motorcycle and controlling it. But that's not always easy or convenient, like particularly if uh, you're at home and it's nighttime and whatever. So, you know, he came out with the, the DVDs, which gives you a good visual representation of the, the techniques that he talks about. So, like I said, even though I'm kind of reading the books and watching the DVDs at a sequence, I could definitely see that that's something that Keith Code is, was doing, you know, with the combination of the book and the DVD. Now, with, with all due respect to Keith Code, um, that, that first video, A Twist of the Wrist, it, it definitely is a good video, um, you know, and, and I definitely recommend watching it. But, you know, keep in mind, it is copyright 1988. And, you know, it's not state of the art in terms of video production. And I don't know exactly how it was done at the time. But in all honesty, it, it kind of looks like, you know, someone was using an Apple II computer or an Atari or something like that and kind of put together some titles and whatever. But the important thing is that the, the content is very good. So um, there, there is like onboard motorcycle footage, which obviously at the time was not done with a GoPro. So it actually would be interesting to see how they did it. Uh, I'm guessing, I don't remember all my history of video stuff very well. I, I guess you had video cameras at the time, although they would have been very bulky. So I'm guessing it was done with video and not film. But I'm guessing they had some kind of bulky cameras attached to the motorcycle or maybe to the, to the rider or to the helmet so that you actually do get onboard video to, to see demonstration of the techniques. Some of the video, you know, it's a little kind of camera was pointed down too much and so that the scene is not perfect. And, you know, like, like I said, it, it looks like something that someone created, you know, in, in the 80s kind of thing on, on their home computer. But but that aside, uh, still, the content there is, is, is really good. And I just figured it was, I wanted to have these things in my library just from a standpoint of the history of motorcycling and the fact that, you know, like, like I said, a lot of people have benefited from a twist of the wrist. And so I wanted to see both, you know, both things that, that Keith put out, volume one and volume two of both the, the DVD and the book. So my comments here kind of apply just in general to a twist of the wrist. It's a little bit hard for me to separate out exactly what I learned from the book and what I learned on the DVD, because like I said, they do kind of go together they are meant they, they complement one another 
but so some of the things I, I did get out of it, you know, is it, definitely a twist of the wrist has a racing orientation to it. Like you can see that. And, you know, the onboard footage mostly, although there is some stuff done on the street, most of it is on the racetrack. But you definitely can see how it applies to all motorcycle riding, you know, including street riding. And it does talk in parts about you know, specifically about street riding. But one of the things that Keith gets into is what he calls survival reactions. And in many cases, that basically is fear, the emotion of fear and how those kind of reactions can get a rider to do the opposite of what it is that the bike actually needs and what the bike is designed for. So that was a big thing that I've got gotten out of a twist of the wrist so far is that the idea that you really need to understand the physics of a motorcycle and how it's designed to work and then how you can use your body and movements of your body to work with the motorcycle and not fight the motorcycle and do things that upset how it's designed to operate because motorcycles are designed a certain way and they're designed to be stable in various situations if you're not doing something to fight that so like a point that he makes is if your grip on the handlebars is too tight you your body kind of becomes a part of the bike that the motorcycle designer didn't didn't design for like yes of course the motorcycle was designed for a rider but the motorcycle the suspension and how it steers and how it operates is not designed for your whatever like I, I weigh like 210 pounds you know if i'm on a 500 pound motorcycle you know there's another 50 percent of the weight that's me and my body so if i'm not using my body correctly it's throwing off the dynamics of the motorcycle similarly you could have the same motorcycle with a person who weighs 100 pounds 110 150 pounds right and so that weight is going to work differently with the motorcycle so that's something that really indicated to me and it's one of the things i focused on it's something a lot of people talk about including fast eddie that when you're riding a motorcycle you don't want to have a death grip on the handlebars one because that just leads to fatigue you tend your hands get numb faster and maybe you're going to feel the vibration of the motorcycle faster but the thing i really got out of twist of the wrist was that by keeping a loose grip on the handlebars you allow the handlebars and the front wheel and the front suspension of the motorcycle to kind of do its thing. And then you just accommodate that by having a loose grip. And so you're not fighting what the motorcycle is naturally do, doing to remain stable on the track surface it's on, at the lean angle it's at, you know, and, and, and all these different things that are going on. So that, that was really kind of a cool thing. And so I've put more attention when I'm riding, particularly long distance riding, like on the highway, of not having a tight grip on the handlebars, just like a light, gentle grip. And I've heard it explained as like it kind of pretending that there's like an egg, you know, a raw egg between your hand and the handlebar. So you're not squeezing the handlebar, but you're just holding it in place. And you find that the motorcycle behaves fine and you still control the motorcycle. You know, you can put your inputs to counter steer and get the motorcycle to do what you want to do, but you're not like holding on you're like really, really tight. And so again, as a result, the motorcycle can do what it needs to do under you and your body's not becoming like part of the bike and you know, your, your, your muscles and your skeletal structure, whatever is, is not fighting the bike. So I thought that that was really, really interesting. Another thing that he kind of gets into is how a lot of the technique of riding a motorcycle. Well, has to do with understanding the fundamentals, like these things of, you know, what's the physics of a motorcycle and, and how, how does it behave dynamically and, and what's all the forces and things that, a motorcycle experiences, you know, in, in different places on a track or on a street, like whether it's a straight or, or a turn or you're leaned or you're not leaned, you know, and, and the speed that you're at and things like that. 
Another thing he points out, and, and this is, applies more to track riding, particularly like if you're doing track days or racing or something like that, is it's important not to follow someone else because you'll never pass them is kind of the way it's put. And so the idea there is if you want to improve your technique, you don't want to spend your time following behind another rider because, first of all, you, you know, you're basically setting yourself up to be second or you know to be behind them you know what what you want to do is kind of be aware of you and what you're doing and your technique and how to improve it sure you have to be aware of, of a rider that's there ahead of you but if you're just simply doing what you're doing based on what the rider in front of you is doing well then you're going to make the same mistakes that they might be making and so if you want to be able to do better than that rider and pass that rider you kind of have to be riding your own ride, so to speak, or, you know, thinking for yourself about what's the best for you on the bike in, in that particular situation. Another thing he stresses, and I know this is something that's, that uh, Fast Eddie talks about a lot in his videos, is smooth control. You know, being, it doesn't mean you have to be slow, but being very smooth with the controls, smooth application of the throttle on or off, smooth application of the brakes on or off. And the fact that when you do that, you are working with with the dynamics of the motorcycle at its best and not doing things to throw it off quickly. And when you do that, you can, you find that you can do things like quick, quick, sorry, steer quickly into a turn, you know, be, be entering into a turn and then quickly change direction, quickly steer and, and snap the bike over and get it into the turn that you want. And that's actually something was interesting watching the DVD, how that was kind of being demonstrated at points where you see the rider, you know, coming in, he does his braking, he gets into the turn and then just, snaps the bike over and it just naturally goes and does what he wanted wants wants it to do so that was really interesting too that's maybe a difficult thing to practice on the street safely but you know i have talked about wanting to do track days and so i'm curious when i get a chance to do that to, to see you know how well i can apply that technique uh, and then finally just a couple other last points he, he talks a lot about vision and improving your field of view and actually gives exercises that you can use to to increase your field of view to make sure that your visual field is on all the things that it should be on you know like a lot of instructors will tell you you know make sure you look up you want to look into the turn and, and all that's true and important but this idea of expanding your visual field and being able to focus on all the points of it in particular without moving your eyes a lot and, and he gives you exercises that lets you develop this technique because one of the, you know he mentions that one of the things that gives riders difficulty is if they're moving their eyes all over the place to scan the field. And while, of course, there may be times you want to move your eyes, if you can learn to kind of keep your eyesight in a direction but still be aware of things in your peripheral vision, you can react a lot faster and it, it, it gives you more space and it gives you more time to react and, and you have a, a better feeling of control. So that also is you know, something I want to start practicing and, uh, and, and working with. Um, and then also he talks about attention and, and attention units and learning how to maximize the use of your attention. And as all riders know, you know, when, when you first get started riding, your attention is mainly on things like manipulating the clutch, making sure you don't stall the motorcycle, you know, getting through a turn, let alone how smooth or, or beautifully you do it, because you're still learning the techniques of riding a motorcycle and how to control a motorcycle. But his point is, if you practice certain things in a systematic way and then train yourself to be able to do these things more automatically so that you don't have to have a lot of attention on it, it frees up your attention for other things, which for a street rider is, you know, being very aware of your surroundings and looking out for things that may be a source of danger and things you want to look out for. 
on a racetrack, it's then more more attention free for looking for the best line, um, you know, finding the fastest way around the track and, and not being concerned about your throttle and your clutch and, and all these, you know, braking and all these different things, which as, as you practice them more and get better skilled at them, become second nature. They just become more natural for you. So I think that that's a really good point too. And he kind of puts like a point system on it you know he's like what if you only had ten dollars worth of attention you know if you're spending five dollars on watching for obstacles well then you've only got five dollars left for the rest and so he gets you to think about like the value where do you want your attention to be and what can you do to free up the attention for the most important things um and that actually helps you focus on and getting faster and then you're able to ride better particularly as applied to riding on the track on the street you know it means you can ride that much safer then another thing he talks about is having attention units available for remembering what you did like for example when you're on the track so like let's say if you're you're doing a practice session or you're doing track days and you're you're out on a session having enough attention left after doing what you need to do to ride the course that you're aware and remember the things that you did so you can later look back and examine it and look at what you did right and what you did wrong. And he also makes a point that you don't want to be focused on what you did wrong because there's a million things that you could do wrong and focusing on what's wrong doesn't really help. What you want to do is remember and be aware of what you did right and continue to do that and be more right, you know, about the things that you're, you're doing well. And then finally, another good point he makes is that barriers are kind of your keys to success. So the things that you're having difficulty with on the motorcycle or on the racetrack are kind of the, um, the alarms. It, it, it's like the, the flashing red lights that say the areas where you're possibly going to improve the most because the barriers are the things that are sticking you that are stopping you from performing at your optimal level and so if you treat those things not as like problems like oh boy you know i have all these problems and whatever if you look at it as an opportunity for success then it changes your attitude towards it and so you you look at the areas where you're having difficulty and you go wow if i could resolve this difficulty if i could do this thing better i would turn that much smoother i would control the bike that much better i could go that much faster so okay so i know that probably was a lot uh but in a nutshell that that's kind of what i've gotten out of a twist of the wrist so far it's really really valuable information i definitely like i said i want to read some other books by other authors and other instructors to see how they approach these things and then just kind of put together for myself like what what's the best program for me to you know improve my riding on the street and then eventually when i get to it you know doing the best on the track and and enjoying that as much as possible so I also mentioned a new part that I got for my Z900 RS. So that's a, a small fairing, probably better called a cowl, um, which ba basically it, it's a fiberglass piece. It's it's came painted to match the motorcycle. The, the Z900 RS I have is the one with the, uh, I forget what they call it. It's like candy tone brown and orange i forget the exact description but uh, it, it's a really cool color scheme and so the the fairing actually came painted pre-painted to match the bike i got it from uh uh we, we, i don't know if you pronounce it we bike or webbike.net um which is a, a, a japanese um, retailer of motorcycle parts and accessories and stuff like that i'll, I'll put a link in the show notes um and and so it's got the, this plastic fairing goes around the, the headlight right on the Z900 RS is a single round headlight and then has, uh, you know, like a, a plexiglass screen, which can either be clear. I, I got the smoked one because I thought it looked nicer. So 
this is something, honestly, I put on the bike just for looks. I'd, I'd seen pictures on the internet, and I was like, wow, that really looks cool. It really makes the bike look a lot better to me. Now, I mean, I like the, the stock Z900RS the way it looks, but particularly because I've got the top case, the Givy top case on the back, it actually kind of helps balance the bike a little bit more so that there's kind of a little more visual mass in the front, so it kind of balances out. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting any, like, aerodynamic improvement. You know, it is a naked bike, and so, you know, riding on the highway at speed is riding. I mean, you're going to get, you know, however fast you're going is the speed of the wind, you know, that you're going to get hitting you, plus if the wind is blowing, you know, that much more. Um, but I was happy to see that it doesn't interrupt the airflow. I was a little concerned that maybe I was going to end up with buffeting on my helmet or something like that, but none of that happens. So, you know, had it up at the highway speeds I ride at, um, no problems, no buffeting, nothing. And a nice side benefit, you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't say it particularly improves the airflow. Uh, basically, it just kind of redirects it, maybe just concentrates it a little bit more, and, and basically it comes up off the uh, the windscreen, so it kind of hits me in the, the chin on the helmet. But an advantage of it is it leaves kind of a dead space over the handlebars, which is where I have my uh, cell phone mount. So I've got an you know, Android cell phone that I use for Google Maps navigation and listening to music and all that kind of stuff. So it actually now gives the phone a little bit of protection. If I'm in a situation riding in the rain, the phone will be protected a little bit from the rain just because the airflow will be going right over the phone. And hopefully I won't have problems like I've had in the past with the phone getting too cold if it's cold out or getting too warm if it's, you know, warm out. Uh, there's still some airflow to kind of keep it cool. But uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy with that. Um, I don't think I'll be able to I don't think I'll be able to put a photo on uh, the show. notes. Well, not in the show notes or anything like that. But, um, you know, I can put up a photo on my website or send it out if anyone's interested. Or I do have photos on my Facebook page so you can kind of check it out there. I also mentioned some new gear that's been released that could really help protect you in an accident. So Dionese has released the Smart Jacket, which uses their D-Air airbag technology, which is also used in the MotoGP racing suits that they make. So this it's an untethered system, so it's not tied to the motorcycle, but like the MotoGP-type suits, it has electronics and sensors on board that can sense a crash situation in which the airbag should be deployed. So the airbag protects your chest, back, and it goes over your shoulder, so it looks like it provides collarbone protection. And it's designed to be worn either under or over a jacket, so whichever way you'd prefer could be used. I know, for example, the Helite vests can be used over a jacket. I don't know, but possibly, I'm not sure. I don't know if they can be worn under a jacket, so I thought it's good that you have that flexibility. Um, they have both men's and women's versions and the smart jacket is available in six different sizes. So I'm assuming, you know, you'd want a different size based on whether you're going to wear it under or over your jacket, just because of the bulk of the jacket. And so I guess you'd have to test it out the way that you plan to ride it. But the smart jacket retails for $6.99 and actually currently Dionese has a sale, a 4th of, 4th of July sale going on. So you can actually get the jacket for 15% off through July 8th. So I think that brings it in at like $550, $60-something. So I haven't investigated this kind of stuff a lot. I don't know a tremendous amount of about the Helite vests and things. I know there's other options out there. I know Alpenstars you know, has uh, airbag technology in some of their clothing. I also know that I don't know the, st the state of it, but there's been a lawsuit between Dionese and Alpenstars about airbag technology and things of that sort. So I'm not an expert on all that stuff, but I just thought this was really cool. You should know about it. So check it out. If it's uh, something you're interested in, maybe uh, take advantage of the sale while it's out there. 
I also mentioned that there was a non-motorcycle podcast that I appeared on recently as part of my goal to help introduce non-motorcyclists to the world of motorcycling. So uh, I've got a really good audience, and I know a lot of people in the motorcycling community, and that's really cool, and I love it, and I appreciate that. But the thing that occurred to me is, you know, it's going to be difficult getting new people into motorcycling by just appealing to and talking to the people who already do it, right? So one of the things I want to work at doing is finding venues for non-motorcyclists that, you know, there's then maybe a possible interest reach that they're willing to hear about motorcycling and learn more about it. So the podcast that I was on is called Crosswires, and they have kind of a related podcast um, a podcast series within the scope of Crosswires called Short Circuits Chats About Tech. So I was on their episode number 12, the title of which is Motorcycling with Chris Geis. So definitely go check it out and share it with friends. The uh, The host of the podcast is a gentleman named James Billsborough, who actually lives in the United Kingdom. Really, really cool dude. So we just had a really nice conversation. You know, he does this podcast about technology and you know, how it relates to people's lives. And so we talked basically about motorcycling and the technology of motorcycling. And so, you know, I talked about things related to motorcycle gear and the kinds of evolution that there's been in that regard. And we talked about, you know, electronics and various technologies that's applied to motorcycles themselves. We talked a little bit about autonomous vehicles and, and that kind of stuff. So it was, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. It was a uh, great chatting with him. And, you know, hopefully the people that listen to his podcast and are interested in technology will be like, hey, you know, let me let me learn something about this motorcycle thing and technology and motorcycles. And, and who knows, maybe they'll be drawn to learn more about motorcycles. And, you know, maybe, maybe we have uh, a couple more motorcyclists in our community. So that'll be really cool. So uh, thanks a lot to James for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, if you're interested, check it out. And Share it with friends, particularly people that don't ride motorcycles, but maybe that are interested in technology. And let, let's see if we can kind of get them interested. All right. So now that I've covered the, the other things I wanted to uh, discuss just briefly, it's time to get into the show. So here is the main part of the episode, the interview with Haley Bell. I hope you enjoy it. All right, so I've got my co-host tonight. So Gina is joining me tonight, uh, sometimes known as Ms. Old Man Slacker. Not <laughs> not too often, but sometimes. And until, until she gets a proper biker name, maybe we'll have to stick. Hello, Gina. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. And uh, she is here with me tonight because our special guest is Haley Bell, who is the founder of the Women Riders World Relay. So welcome, Haley. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Good to have you here. And and I know it's a little bit later for you than it is for us. We're about five hours, so it's a little after 10 o'clock for you, right? Yeah, it's fine. I've had copious amounts of coffee again today as usual, so <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm good to go. Good. Okay, awesome, awesome. So you just let us know when, uh, you know, whatever, it's getting a little too too late, and we'll let you get some sleep. So. <laughs> You'll see my lights start dimming in the background. Like. <laughs> there you go. Like nighttime mode. Just kind yeah. Of it's like that last call thing at the theater, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. time to get out, you know, start flashing the lights. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, the listeners, unfortunately, can't see it. Uh, actually, maybe, maybe you'll send me a photo and I can post it on the website. But uh, yeah. Haley's got this really cool banner behind her. It says, Go Werewer, which, uh, which I think is really cool. Yeah, so that's nice. It's got the Werewer logo and, logo and stuff on it. So that's my, cool. My mom actually made us that banner. Um, 
on the one of the first legs that we did across the UK. So she came to meet me on the night before my birthday. And she had this big Go WRWR banner, which I was like, ah, oh, that's quite cute. Nice. So, nice. Yeah, nice to so, come so happy, happy belated birthday. Yeah. Well, yeah. well thank you. <laughs> it was March. So don't so worry. You're like, you're enough. way late. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Half, half a year. That's not too bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> cool. All right. So I thought since I mentioned the banner, maybe let's, let's talk a little bit about where we're. And, and actually, one question I have for you. So how, how long was it before it started being called Werewer, you know, from Women Writers World Relay. Like, did did you start Werewer, or was that someone else in the group? Liza started Werewer, and Werewer okay. is actually an American expression. It's in the UK. It's WRWR. Uh, okay, ah. that's so Liza started saying, "Oh, it's Werewer," and I was like, "What the hell is Werewer?" <laughs> and she's like, "WRWR," but it's in it's in you know America, and I was like, "Well, that's not." That's not right. It's just like, no, no, and we're worse stuck. We're worse stuck. So that it was Liza who started saying that at, at the very start. I, I, I had a feeling it might have been, but that's cool. I, <laughs> I like I like WRWR. That sounds good too. So yeah, I, I, to be honest, having been over to California to see Liza and things as well, um, we're worse kind of stuck in my mind as well now. So I think we've I've finally gotten used to it. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Well, it, it'll be interesting, you know, at some point in the future, someone's going to do kind of the history and the lore of Werewer, and that'll be one of the stories that's told, right, is how at first it was WRWR, and then <laughs> it became Werewer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. Exactly. That's cool. So, well, it actually was here, though, with, I have, you know, Long Island women writers, where I'm part of a, a group that I am here, and, and they've always said it quickly as Lerwer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I guess, you know, so, I guess it's, it's just an American thing, you know, we don't, think, we shorten yeah. everything. Smush, all, smush <laughs> yeah. all the letters. Together. We have to read it all at once. We can't do the letters. Yeah. I think Liza was like comparing it to the sound of a bike. And, and then I was like, ah. well, the bike sounding like that. It's like, <laughs> right. it's going to sound like my KTM at the minute. Like, it, it's not, it's not a good sound for a bike. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, um. Just, I know some of the listeners may not know much about where we're yet, so I thought I would just read the mission statement from your website, which, which I think is really cool. And In particular, I, I think it's really good when, when people have a mission statement, right, because anytime you have a, a project or a cause, it's good to have something that kind of tells everybody what's the guiding principles and you've kind of got a framework that keeps things on track and right and provides a way to kind of measure the progress and success of the group right so so this is this is the the mission statement that haley gave for warwar so it says i wanted to ignite a global sisterhood of inspirational women to promote courage adventure unity and passion for biking from all corners of the world and do something that's never been done before to this scale my aim is to wow the industry into realizing the global market for women in motorsports and to inspire women worldwide. Going into motorcycle stores and seeing a lot of choice combined with stereotypical pink, right? We've heard of pink it and shrink it. And being told there just isn't the market for women highlighted to me just one small element of a much bigger picture around women in motorsports. I want to show the industry the force behind the market that is so blindly overlooked. I am doing this because women bikers can make this happen. So I, I think that's a really that's a really cool statement, like of what Werewer is all about. Yeah, it's nice to hear it um, hear it back again as well, because we you can so easily get lost in everything, and it's nice to just remind yourself of uh, it, it grounds you. I think is by having a mission statement, like you said, something sure. to refer back on, something to 
to sort of reset if you're struggling to find the answer for something um so yeah it's uh it's nice to hear somebody else reading it as well <laughs> cool so uh how long did it take you to kind of pull that together was it just kind of just rolled off the tongue or was it i know people sometimes wrestle a little bit when they're trying to do like a mission statement so um i struggle immensely with putting words onto paper mm-hmm. uh and throughout my life whenever I, i'm i'm quite um I'm quite uh, able to speak exactly how I feel and and to get the words out talking through something uh, with somebody else. But to actually structure that into a a sentence on a piece of paper staring at a blank computer screen, I find quite difficult. So um, I've always sort of talked things through with with my dad and and I sat down there with my dad and I just said, right, I need to to sort of put exactly what I want from this into a mission statement onto paper, dad. Can you just type what I say? And I just literally said it. We tweaked a few things, um, and and yeah, it, it it was done in about ten minutes. Awesome, that's a good. I know that way. sounds that's like there wasn't much effort put in, but it but it it was it was just spoken, and then my dad just tweaked a few words with me, and and, and we just made it sound a bit less northern monkey like, which is like <laughs> how I normally talk. Right. <laughs> A few less slang words in there. Yeah, the the, the, was it the Queen's English or the proper English? Yeah, yeah, proper English. I had to. Liza always shouts at me for missing out. She says I I say letters rather than letters, which I do say letters rather than letters. So yeah, I had to. I had to speak the Queen's English a little bit better. (laughs) Cool. All right, so that's awesome that your dad helped you out with that. That's really cool. Now, also, I saw on the the Wherewhere website that. Um, it's described or someone described it as the world's largest motorcycle relay. So the question that comes to mind, like, have you thought about going like for a Guinness book of world records? Like, is that kind of on the, the to-do list once, once the, the rally, uh, the relay is. Yeah. So it was on the to-do list and then it quickly got taken off the to-do list. So um, straight away, um, the minute we sort of hit, 10,000 members I was looking into the Guinness World Records um, and unfortunately um, the structure the way that they structure um, assessing records around the world is that they have to hold a relay of such fashion in a stadium which is not what we're doing mm-hmm. um, their current record I think was 210 or something like that of like motorcycle riders riding around in a circle as, <laughs> as a relay in a stadium I was like I've got absolutely no interest in yeah in beating that because a we've already beat beat it um if if there is such a thing but b right. like that's boring like i don't want to subject 200 people to ride around, around in circles a, yeah like i'd rather just go around <laughs> a, right. absolutely yeah. yeah it's like watching a, a formula one race where the cars just go around around yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like meh like i don't i don't yeah so we we went down the whole guinness records route and like we spoke with them and and we sort of figured out where we would fit in the record as well because there's different sort of categories and different titles and things like that and um it quickly became apparent that there was no real desire for for us to actually get a Guinness World Record because it wasn't relative it was a name we can safely say that we are the world's largest motorcycle relay that's ever happened and we're certainly the, the the largest um motorcycle female um, relay as well and, and the first motorcycle relay re- uh, female relay that has happened yeah. around the world so um, I'm quite happy to say that and I don't need Guinness's title 
Oh, for sure. No, I, I don't blame you. I mean, and eventually Guinness will kind of catch up with where you're at and maybe they'll change their framework or. Yeah, maybe like, I'm just <laughs> yeah. throwing it out there, but they might need to add a category for like motorcycle relays that are off a, off a, you know, off yeah. a stadium and off a track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to um, throw in before we move too, too far past the topic, your, your mission statement. As far as uh, inspiring people and, you know, things like that and courage, that was one of the first things that I noticed when I joined on, like, the Facebook group was, first of all, the number of women and where their stories were coming from and where, you know, I was just in awe to be a part of that. All of a sudden, I felt like 10 times bigger. As I'm a so female, glad you said that. Yeah, like, as a female writer, I, like, just grew immensely yeah. just in that and alone and then you know some of the memes people post one of them like stood out stood out to me as um there was a woman who posted just a little meme about the butterflies in your stomach you know before you yeah. before you go out for a ride yeah. and i saw the replies and i was like you know i replied oh i thought i was the only one and the replies yeah. i got back was like no every time and this is why we do it and this and that and i was like Wow. Like I, I yeah. almost like cried. I was like, I thought I was the only one who was horrified every time I get on my bike, but loved it at the same time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just it's just so many out there that are the same way. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like I don't feel like, okay, you know, I have to give up and you know stop pushing through this. And it's just the way it is. And we all do it and we do it because we love doing it. And that's all there is. But there's a lot of us out there, and that was cool to see that. Yeah. So. It's so nice to to hear you say that as well because when we when we were like building the group and everything the the biggest thing that i took from from it when it was growing and 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 sort of when it was getting through these different waypoints of 10,000 members 15,000 members 18,000 that the biggest thing that i was seeing was this um influx of inspirational women that i'd never heard of ever yeah and and that everyone else had never heard of and and it wasn't so much just like the the racers or the um the travelers of 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 the world it was women who had been in serious accidents lost Mm -hmm. limbs still rode it was women who um had lost children to to you know motorcycle accidents and things like this and still rode and it it was like real stories that were coming through Mm -hmm. um and real women that we can all relate to in one way or another. And that was, I mean, I sort of sat back and I was like, oh, my God, there's so many cool people here. Like, (laughs) "Ah, there's so many cool people. And and I had so many people to look up to and to take sort of inspiration from. And and my riding developed because of it as well. And, And, you know, when I got on my bike, I was thinking about these girls that were in the group. And I was like, she can do it. I can damn well do it. Like... I'm going to ask you now as well, am I allowed to swear or not on here? Because I am quite loose with my tongue. It, it's it's totally fine. What I'll do on the podcast, I can just mark it explicit. I'd, I'd yeah, rather, you might I'd need rather, a few like, exclamation marks just, and hashtags. I'd rather there. just have you communicate freely and honestly. <laughs> I can try and tame the beast, but yeah, I do tend to, um, <laughs> I do tend to slip of the tongue a bit. But yeah, it, it was just so nice to, um, it was so nice to, to see that and to be able to relate to to all the women as well so it's it's really great to hear you say that Gina because it's that's exactly how we all felt as well 
yeah, yeah it's but... it is i love it i love every minute of it I, i'm gonna be like <laughs> sad when it's over it's like oh my god hey, don't ever no, no 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 it's never over <laughs> okay so just, good. Just, just watch this space watch this space yeah no, i know <laughs> i think that, i think that's the cool thing because i think it will just keep growing i i know you have different plans for the future right it remains to be seen like next year i, I think actually you and, and liza even talked a little bit about okay so next year there's not going to be an around the world relay but there'll be things there'll be ways to continue the group rolling and and growing which which i think is really cool and you know kind of along the lines of what gina said about her being inspired and i don't remember when i first heard of where it possibly was on motorcycles and misfits podcast yeah. maybe maybe it was when liza first got involved and, and she started to talk about it but you know one one of my goals you know I started riding three years ago, and, and Gina's actually the one that kind of got me started, which is really cool, right? And so one of my things is I just enjoy it so much. The reason I started the podcast is I just want to do what I can do to help grow the community in, in whatever way and encourage people from yeah. all walks of life and, and, and all over the world to ride. And so when I saw what you were doing with Warwar, it like kind of totally aligned. And that's why I was like, you know what? I, that's why I contacted you guys about, hey, you know, are you accepting sponsorships? Like, could I be a sponsor? Because, like, I want to yeah. get, I want to be a part of this thing. Okay, I'm not a woman. I don't have that part of it, but still, just to to back like what matter. what what you're yeah. doing, and you know, also kind of as a like thank you to Gina for getting me into this crazy crazy stuff. You know, so yeah, it's, thanks, it's, and, and it's just yeah, and it, and it's just been a lot of fun just watching how it's evolving and developing. So, and it's been great having the support of you guys as well. Like, I'd just like to say thank you as well because seriously from the bottom of my heart as well because you were one of our, our first sponsors so it's like a first sort of light of, of um okay people are people are interested in this and and people are interested in helping us so that was really lovely um to have you guys on board and to have Absolutely. have an, a niche little um business project whatever you want to call it like with with the podcast as well like i like that sort of thing because it's yeah. like it's something that is genuinely of interest to us as well so we're, we're, we're more than happy to work with you guys and promote promote what you're doing. Um, yeah. And and we're, yeah, we're just really thankful that you came on board with us. No, that's awesome too, because I know for sure I've picked up listeners through Warwar, you know, because, you know, either because of having like Shauna on and uh -huh. then prior to that, you know, Sarah, which was really cool, like to hear yeah. their, their take on things and how excited they were about it. So it's just, it's just like a win-win. It's just like part of this. Yeah. Community, exactly you know? it's community exactly and it's helping each other out and, and trying to sort of spread the same message i suppose and, and yeah absolutely so i know you, you mentioned a little bit statistics like uh so so how many facebook followers are there now um i think there's uh roughly eighteen thousand five hundred. Oh. um there are thereabouts yeah um so we're we're still yeah we're still growing <laughs> <laughs> it still it keeps getting bigger mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I tend to try and avoid looking at the facebook figures now because it gets a bit daunting sometimes when you're looking sure. like holy cow there's a lot of people right there's it's a like, lot of people in this group <laughs> i got i gotta be careful what i say because i'm putting yeah. something at 18 000 <laughs> women yeah. exist right away. <laughs> yeah. but no it's it's great it's um it's continuing to grow um and again, do you know what I think is amazing is the fact that we've not spent a penny, not one penny on marketing, WRWR. That is completely organic reach and, and just sort of shows and highlights the sense of community that there is within the motorcycle industry. 
um the fact that people are willing to and happily will share a message and spread a message like that so so quickly and organically um i think uh, is a real testament to the motorcycle family as it is sure yeah absolutely and i mean word of mouth is that's your mm. that's your best form of advertising and marketing anyway right so well, if you yeah, can exactly. strike if you can that, that right yeah. yeah if you can strike that right that right chord and people just talk about it with friends and share it's like yeah, that's that's really cool. And then, um, how many women are you know have participated or are signed up for the world relay at this well, point? Well, at this point, uh, off the top of my head, I can't tell you because I don't want to pluck a figure out that's wrong. No, that's. I, nice. I mean, rough, roughly, we're looking at about six hundred wow. um, so far, I think. Um, but uh, we are nowhere near the end. So yes. we've not released hardly any of the largest countries. So we've done the UK, but we're still not released. We just released Australia. Um, we're yet to release Canada and America as well. So those are some of the largest countries uh, involved. The same with India, the same with South Africa. Um, so we've got basically the biggest ones yet to come. Um, yeah, so it's... Oh. it's um, <laughs> I was looking at Australia's figures earlier today, actually, and I think in the group there's like 3,400 Australian members. So that's quite a huge, that's quite a huge uh, percentage of the group as well that it, that is going to be um, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie rooting. Mm, cool, cool. Mm. And then um, in terms of like the Ripple relays, mm -hmm. do you have to have a sense how many women that's added? uh again that's the, so the ripple relay organization there's a lady that's called barb who, who sort of mans the ripple relay um i have been told the figures uh last week i can't remember for the life of me i'm sorry i'm terrible i'm terrible oh, no, that, that, that's okay and and, and that's um, why i i will in the show notes i will include the the Wereware website link and people yeah, can go on Wereware yeah, and they can they can, can join find, the facebook group find and, and find all that stuff yeah that, that, that's totally but, fine. yeah there's been there's been an enormous amount for the ripple relays they've really taken off which i'm really pleased to see because the the reason we developed the ripple relays was to um enable inclusivity of, of everybody who wanted to take part so the main relay is a purpose-built relay it has a a uh, a specific task at hand and that is to get the baton from point a to point b within an allocated amount of time and to ensure the safe crossing to the next person right. or peoples um so with that in mind there are limitations um and uh, there are uh boundaries that sort of need to be conquered and, the, and there is a, uh, you know in some in some cases it, it certainly isn't a sun, uh, an easy sunday ride it's something that is um pretty grueling um it's something that is going to tire a lot of people it's something that requires a, a certain level of physical fitness um so it's you know it's it's not going to be ideal for everybody and likewise it's it's on a specific day when it comes through so people sometimes can't get the time off work or they can't get a babysitter or they can't you know life interrupts essentially right. so sure. um we wanted to to create something that was uh, a byproduct of the main relay um, that was more inclusive and meant that women could join and ride whatever distance they chose and could um, 
do it on a weekend when it's easier for them. And they could hop off and on whenever they chose um, and go wherever they choose as well and take this this ripple relay to, to whatever part of their country they wish to, which, again, due to time restraints that we have to get this baton around the world um, within a year, we had to make serious sacrifices. We've had to cut out entire uh, sections of countries. We've had to skip countries. We've had to, you know, really be stringent and, and really make cuts um, because it takes a long time to get across 80 countries sure. on a motorbike. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> and, and so that's, that's for the world, that's the world relay you're talking about, right? Where yeah. it, it's very kind of, you got to keep it, keep it on the schedule because it is, this right. is a huge undertaking. I mean, this is not, this is not like just take a ride around the neighborhood. <laughs> Well, this is it, and and the thing is, is you know, we we've we've got to play the big bad wolf at the end of the day. We've we've got to get this um, through its course, and we've got to get it to the finish line. So we we had to make cuts, and and the um, the compromise that we sort of came up with, and and the the, the sort of res- resolution, should I say, rather than than a compromise, was that we would ignite these ripple relays, which would run for a year. Um, until the baton comes back to the UK for the closing ceremony, and and then you can, they can take it anywhere. Like the girls are passing a flag round, and these ripple relays have become, in some ways, even better than the main relay because they've just exploded. Like particularly across like the US and things, you've probably seen the ripple relay going around with the flag that everyone's signing, and we're asking women to pass these country flags around and and sign the names all over it. So we've got this collection of of countries' flags that we can host at the the final event um, to celebrate everything that we've achieved with WRWR. So it's, um, it's really kicked off and it's really um, gone above and beyond our expectations with the ripple relays, which has been amazing to see because it's, you know, we've seen all, all different parts of countries that we wouldn't have seen. um, First of all, and we've seen all different riders all different uh, styles of riding as well, um, all sort of coming through and, and taking part. So, yeah, it's been really fantastic to see it take off so well. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, that is a cool way, though, to get as many people involved as possible. And, and like you said, so the, the, the diehard riders that, you know, they want to do the, the, the world relay, okay, go for it, and, but people can still be a part of it and experience it and be like, hey, I did this thing. Exactly. And I mean, you know, the the women um, of WRWR have, and rightly so, have, um, what's the word? They've taken WRWR to heart and it's really resonated with a lot of women and it's really um, become a a huge passion of theirs. And, uh, And like I say, quite rightly so, because it's, it's, it's touched so many hearts. And I would be exactly the same if, if somebody said to me about uh, WRWR, if, if it wasn't sort of bought from me and all the rest of it, and somebody said, oh, it's coming through your country uh, next week. And I'd be like, well, I can't get, like, I can't get off work. What? Like, and I'd be, I'd be devastated. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to try and try and help that and, and to try and create, uh, in essence, a, a, a relay for everybody, but as well as getting the main job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the, 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 the way that we sort of um, envisaged it was the world relay was to 
highlight um, what women riders can do. And the, uh, the ripple relays are to highlight how many women riders there are. Right. Okay. That's so cool. So you've got both, both yep, aspects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and both are equally as important to sure. the industry in terms of how they how they perceive WRWR and, and you know um, and getting our message across. Really. Yeah. 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 I know. For me personally, when I first found out, you know, about it, of course, I was looking to see you know, where is it coming in the U.S. How can I, you know, am I going to be able to do anything like this? And yeah. It, you know, then I saw, okay, the skill level that's required and the amount of miles written in a day. And like you said, you know, life working in general. And I said, yeah. all right, there's a chance I'm probably not going to be able to do this. So yeah. when the ripple, you know, I found out about that, I was like, yeah. oh, this is awesome. You know, yeah. this, is, this is for me and this is exactly, I can be a part of this now. Yeah. So and, I can't and, wait for, you know, <laughs> to come my way. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's it. And I, and I, the feedback that we've had from the ripple relays has been amazing like but by it, it's funny because the the ripple relays are much more sort of enjoyable than the main relay so a little for more example, leisurely uh, yeah oh yeah like, for sure. I, to be honest you know i would be choosing the ripple relay over the over the main <laughs> relay because you know, you're going to stop for cake and you're going to have coffee and, you know, yeah. <laughs> a little party. Whereas the main relay, it's like, right, go on your bikes, go, go, go. You know, <laughs> boom, like, time, time, time. Like trying to, trying to keep to schedule and, and, and then you're getting lost and you're like, oh no, we're going to have to haul, haul our star on a motorway now. Like, we, we you know, and, and that's, that's how it is. You've got to get to the, to the end point by, X time. So, for example, on the on the um, the UK leg, uh, I, I mean, I, I've told this story before, but I, I just think it's hilarious every time, and it just shows uh, what an imbecile I can be at times as well. But <laughs> we um, we we came. Uh, my sense of direction. I'll throw this out there: how I am planning slash um, helping to organise. And around the world relay is beyond me when I've got <laughs> such a bad sense of direction because I started leading these hundreds of women around the UK. I got lost on the way up to the start line, first of all. I nearly <laughs> didn't make the start line because I got lost in Scotland somewhere in the dark on my own with no phone. <laughs> oh my phone. And then, um, yeah, I started leading them uh, back up towards Scotland when we were meant to be going down south and I took them about two hours in the wrong direction. So, you know... We we then had to basically do the, the rest of the day on a straight motorway in the freezing cold rain, wind, you know, like there was nothing really enjoyable about that ride. There was a lot of enjoyment from the girls being on that ride, taking the piss out of me for the next two days. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that ride was, uh, you know... Uh, put it this way i would prefer to be having coffee and cake and a bit more of a relaxed yeah. atmosphere so yeah the ripple relays have, have been designed exactly for that and it's and it's proven to be a real um a real treat to be a part of yeah i think i remember when you were posting actually that that time you got lost i think, that, <laughs> I remember, I think you had posted something, something about that, that. Uh, yeah. Oh, like, there's oh my plenty God. times that I get lost. <laughs> it's <laughs> no. a weekly occurrence. I get lost out of my own bathroom door. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, as long as you find your way home. 
like a homing pigeon. Somehow I always end up back here. Awesome. <laughs> well, that works then. But, you yeah. know, it's kind of, it's interesting, you know, how you're describing the, the, the main, the world relay, which I hadn't really thought about, like how, like I knew it was like serious, like you're taking this seriously, but I didn't realize it actually is pretty, how do you want to put it, like athletic, like this is really a thing, right? But, oh, yeah. but what's interesting is I sometimes goof, like when, when I when I say Women Riders World Relay, I sometimes slip and I say rally and I catch myself. No, no, it's not rally. It's relay. But like looking at it in a way, the main, the world relay is kind of like a rally in that, you know what I mean? Like if like I, I watch the Dakar rally and things like that, where you see how it's conducted and it's, it's like, it's all about, you know, keeping pace and hitting the next mark and being on time. And, and so to that degree, maybe it is kind of a, a rally of sorts. Yeah, know? I mean, it's funny because um, you're not the only person to do that. I certainly won't be the last, but to 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 mix up relay and rally. Yeah. And then what happens is like we had we had an influx at one point. I remember that people were confusing us with a rally and thinking that we were going to like an end point, and then we we're wow. all be meeting there and having a big party and barbecues and things. And I right. was like, whoa, no, that's no, like- we're not there's no barbecues and things here. Like we're, we're, we're back on the road, 4am Europe. Right. <laughs> you know, there's no knees up, I'm afraid girls. Like we've got to get back on the road. Right. Right. Um, but it's, uh, yeah. So there was, there was a big, like, um, there, I remember it was like before we started the actual relay, there was a big, like, Oh, where, where's the party? Like who's staying for the weekend? And they were like, what? <laughs> back back what? to your bikes. Let's go. Yeah. That's funny. It was quite oh, funny. wow. <laughs> yeah, no. All right. Well, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one that slips and goofs once in a while. No, no. That's um, how, how big is your admin team now? I, I counted eight, I think, on the website. Is that about right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well done. So that, that's a lot of work split <laughs> among. Oh, yes. and all of you work pretty much full time jobs, right? In addition, and do everything yeah. else you have to do in life. and exactly so you know mothers families you know life work it's we're a volunteer team so it's um a huge a huge capacity to to fill um and the fact that eight women have predominantly sort of done that alongside the help with the moderators and the taskers and the ambassadors and things is phenomenal like I don't know. I, I still to this day don't understand how we've managed to do it. Genuinely. I don't understand it. Yeah. Because it's not physically possible on paper. <laughs> right. It's just not. There's not enough hours in the day. And and somehow we've made it work. And I think that is a, a massive uh it's massively to do with our relationship with the admins and, and the fact that we communicate so well. Um even on different time zones, even in different languages where they're not our, our native, you know, not native English speakers, um, even when we're tired, even when we've got other things going on, even when we're at work, you know, we, we've we've become a family, and um, we've got each other's back, yeah. big time, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and that is what that is what, and that that real sort of passion and drive for exactly what WRWR is uh, uniting women and, and, and sort of empowering them and encouraging them is is hugely shown through the admin team 
right. hugely mm-hmm. because we, we are so different. Every single one of us in there is so different and we're all strong characters. We're all different, very different. And you put a lot of strong characters in a room together and you're going to get a kickoff nine times out of 10. We're going <clears> to <throat> yeah. have fights, like the cat fights going on, you know, because you put, you put that passion and that drive from different angles all together and then start firing problems at them and, and situations that we need to deal with. And, and nine times out of 10, you're going to get arguments. We've not had any of that at all. That's awesome. It's been yeah. remarkable how well we've worked together. I think that probably is just a test to just the purpose of it and how it, it, yeah. it just aligns with people and what they want to accomplish in life. And that probably is a big part of why it can work that way. And, and it's also obvious yeah. from what you've said, like how the, the core group of eight women is what puts life really, obviously you have all the people participating, which is definitely part of it, but it's like the core Correct. eight women that are kind of making this thing a reality, like making this thing live. Yeah. And you know, these are the women who have sacrificed their entire lives. Literally, their entire lives have sacrificed relationships, have sacrificed, you know, uh, life, general duties. Like, none of us have got clean houses anymore. I can tell you that for sure. We've got washing stacked up to God knows how long. <laughs> we, we live in pigsties now. Um, and, you know, we, we've, we've, we've all sort of transitioned whilst we've been working on this as well. And we've all grown together. I think it's, Fair to say, and I think every admin will agree with me that since WRWL, we have all developed as people um, because of it, and we because we've been sort of given an inside backstage access to a global network and a global um, vision of an overview of different cultures around the world and different lifestyles and, and different people, and and talking to all these interest really interesting people all the time on a daily basis. It's really, for me, um, bettered me as a person. Um, and I know that the other admins would say exactly the same thing. Uh, I feel like I've developed. I, I feel like I've um, become a better version of myself because of everything that we've done. Um, and I think that glue of WRWR is, uh, uh, and the cause behind it and, and this, these little moments where we sort of sit back and reflect on what it is that we've actually achieved so far, that's what really sort of holds us all together and uh, and the fact that they're all as as crazy as I am and, and I love them all to pieces <laughs> and they make yep. me laugh my head off. <laughs> crazy is good sometimes. <laughs> yeah, actually, exactly. crazy is good most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it could definitely change your your kind of viewpoints and, and ship priorities in life when you're taking on something like this, right. you know, absolutely. Yeah, to... massively. You, you, I mean, you, you always, you know, you always see things, uh, you know, you see things, you hear things, you, you are accustomed to what you what is put in front of you in life. And then when you get when you get something that's put in front of you that you are not used to seeing mm-hmm. and that you're not used to hearing or you've heard differently about and it takes you back and, and you try and understand it. And when you, when you hear differences within cultures and like um, differences with hierarchies of, of, of how group dynamics work and in, in other countries and how people actually sort of mix and associate and um, work together, it's, it's quite, um, 
it's really eye-opening and it's really interesting i find mm-hmm. it fascinating yeah watch watching the dynamics of countries and, and people and individuals within it and um that's been something that's really really sort of um made me think differently um yeah. and, and made me think sort of um more i suppose um when when sort of dealing with people in any situation as well is um we're, we're very we're very quick to um not listen as as you know a human breed yeah. we're very quick to sort of if, if something doesn't suit us shut off and and not really listen and it's something that has really um helped me with that is actually speaking with and listening to and trying to understand differences through cultures and mm-hmm. uh you know westernization and all the rest of it um these these different women around the world so yeah that's something that i'd say it's one of the biggest things that i've taken from wr is 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 actually that that insight uh the backstage access as it were to to a global um well, a, a mass of, of different countries and different types of people. Yeah. And you pulled it all together. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a clue how, honestly. I've got a clue how. I, I would yeah. just like to thank Nef Cafe because okay. that is how. <laughs> do, you, do you own stock in them yet? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I ought to, Probably seriously. Should. I think I'm keeping them in business at the minute. <laughs> Yeah, that that that's awesome, and I'm guessing that what you just described it was kind of an unexpected outcome. Like when you started this whole thing, uh, did had you thought about that? Like, wow, that's we're going to interact with all these cultures and learn these old. That wasn't part of your focus initially, right? No, like I didn't. I mean, I I didn't. So I was I was speaking with somebody about this uh, earlier, actually. But I when when I set up WRWR. I had no expectations of what it was going to achieve. I'd already, prior to WRWR, set up like local Facebook groups for women riders um, and had no success really with them. And like, not really, you know, I'd set up like Biker Girls Northwest so that I could try and meet like more female bikers in, in my area and things. And, and there was no real success with it. Um, I'd done um, a group for stolen motorcycles because I got um, I was a victim of of theft um, mm. with my motorbike, so I was trying to help that sort of section of, of the bike community as well, and trying to sort of share information between the police and and um, victims of crime. Um, and again, that wasn't really it didn't really kick off, and blah, blah, blah. and and you know it was no biggie. I was just trying to sort of link people, if it mm. was, and 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 connect people. In, in the community and then WRWR that idea sort of came around and you know I started getting an idea that well to be fair I did plow a lot more effort into this than I did the other two groups but the, I started to get the feeling that it was going to be bigger than I could imagine it to be um, on day one wow. by the end of day one wow. because I set it up literally had the idea set it up at about two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday afternoon in work. And by the time I got home from work at seven o'clock at night, uh, there was over 365 members. Nice. So that was like a few hours. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. There's quite a lot of people coming through here. And then I started to do a, a few quick head calculations. If I continued this pace, then by the end of the week, I'm going to have a hell of a lot of people in this group. I'm going to need some help. And that's what 
where it sort of unraveled from. So no, I, I never sort of had the idea that it would a get this big and b the different the different things that would come out of WRWR and the different things that we'd experience with it. <laughs> um, God, there's so there's so much like in terms of experience and uh, ju- just everything. Like you, if, if you sit down and actually try and think how to plan an around the world relay for women on their motorbikes in a year you, you with only like four months to, to, from start to finish before you leave. Like if you try and write down on paper how to do that, then times it by 10 and then probably times it by three again. And you're probably somewhere near the amount that we've actually sort of encountered and, and had to do. It, it's crazy. It, you, you haven't got the mental capacity to start thinking about it all at once because there's just so much. So we've just taken everything as it comes uh, and we've we've sort of, right, here's a hurdle. Let's get over it. Next, here's the hurdle. We got over that one as well. Next. Uh, and, and we've just literally had them on a conveyor belt and, and the girls have just keep smashing them and smashing them and smashing them and smashing them. And that is just how how we are. Everyone in the admin group is is a doer and they're a kick-ass doer. Like, they get shit done. Mm-hmm. big time we right. say we're going to do something we do it and that is that is how it's been so successful yeah wow have uh have you found that what you've experienced right with wrwr and the way that it's grown and you've kind of grown to adapt with it right has has that carried over let's say into your normal job life like that you you look at your your regular job differently you know find things easier to get done or yeah, I mean, it would it would transpire into my regular job. Um, I mean, I I had to leave my my job uh, okay. because of WRWR. I was given an ultimatum essentially um, to choose work or WR, and rightly so because I wasn't doing any work in my job. I was doing WRWR all day, right. okay. and I'd completely sacked my work off essentially <laughs> to do this because sure. I wanted this is what I was passionate about, and I wasn't really passionate about office management, funnily enough. So um, I, I uh, recently left my job, um, but yeah, the, I mean, the skills that we've, that we've learned uh, from WRWR are invaluable. Um, they would transpire to all walks of, of, of work life as well, um, uh, not only in, in people management and, and people communications, but in, in organization, in, in, you know, writing, in structure, in project management, in time management, in everything that you can sort of think of that involves the, that is involved in the creation of of an event to this scale and across this many different countries and cultures. Uh, Yeah, I think, uh, I think every single one of the admin team Needs a pay rise, big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> in their <in> jobs. <laughs> gotcha. Have, uh, have you figured out what's the next step, like how you're going to make a living going forward or just not dealing um, with that yet? Like are you able to support yourself with what comes in with support for, for WRWR or is that just all yeah, just so, for the – Yeah, so I, I, I now take a basic wage from WRWR. Um, <laughs> And that's so that I can focus on it during the daytime, basically. I can get in touch with key sponsors. I can ring people during the day. I can have communications with 
uh, different countries on the phone and I'm not having to sneak out to the toilet and pretend like I've got some kind of diarrhea issue, which is why I'm on the phone for three hours in a toilet whilst I work. Yep. So that, that basically answered a lot of questions, medical questions from my ex-employers. Right. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so um, that's, that's what I'm doing at present. Um, I am looking to set up um, at the minute a women's uh, motorcycle clothing line, which is... Um, something that I sort of started out with uh, as a qualm myself and rather than sort of bitching and moaning about it, I suppose, um, I thought, you don't know what, I'll just do it myself and, and let's let's just like answer some um, some issues that women have and let's let's listen to them and, and try and you know make, make something that works for everybody. So um, it, it, it's very, very early days with that. It's very, very early days, but it would it will be Piston Girls, which is part of the, which is the WRWR shop anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, our, our first product line is the WRWR merchandise, um, which I took a considerable amount of effort uh, and time into researching and, and getting the product right because it was important to me. Um, quality and, and fit and comfort and everything is really important to me. So... Um, I wanted that to transpire through our our merchandise, even though it is, you know, people are like, Haley, why are you spending so much time on merchandise? Just get some merchandise out. It, it's important to me because it sends a message. Um, and and the message that I always wanted to put out with WRWR is that we're serious and, and we're not a gimmick and we're not a fad. It's a community and, and it's, it's a, a meaningful purpose. And, you know, that means that we're not having crap merchandise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. No, that's awesome. So it, it sounds like you've kind of moved into full entrepreneur mode. Like, uh, like, like, I wouldn't say you, that. You, no. <laughs> I'd say, I mean, maybe, maybe it's not full fully wing it mode. But... That's more like me. <laughs> say again. I said I've moved into full wing it mode. That's more oh. like me. Well, I don't maybe, maybe that's the nature of being an entrepreneur. But yeah, I just, I just, I just yeah, mean, I agree yeah, I just mean to the extent like I've re- re- recent past couple past episodes. You know, I've, I've interviewed guys who not the same thing as what you're doing with WRWR, but have a passion for motorcycles, and both of them now make a living doing YouTube, social media, basically. You know, they they had full time jobs, but they found a passion for what they really like, and it was like, you know what, I'm leaving that thing and because of that passion and the drive and, and being not only being willing, but enjoying doing it, however many hours of the week it takes, it's like they've, they've said, it's not even like a job. It's just something they just enjoy doing. And so, and it takes off because they can put them, they can throw themselves into it, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously if, if you were to um, ask any of the admins and myself to work, 20 hours a day for 10 months on I don't know knitting or <laughs> right. football or something like that like we would be like well, no sorry <laughs> right so it massively helps that we're all so passionate about biking um and and yeah obviously like you probably see from from my Facebook, like I have you guys on Facebook and things, but like biking's my life, and yeah. it's it's everything to me. It's work, 
it's play, it's it's everything. It's you know, it's it's literally every day the first thing that I'm thinking about because it's in one way or another so ingrained into my life that it, it is all that I think about and and that is what drives me and, and the other admins through through the workload. Um it is that passion for biking and, and you know you you you'd think that if you stared and talked about and did everything bike related all day every day that you wouldn't want to see the sight of a bike and you wouldn't want to get on one but it's the opposite isn't it you just want to get the minute you finish the working day i've talked about bikes all day what am i going to do i'm going to go around my bike and then i'm going to go talk about more bikes all day the next day and then i'm going to ride my bike and it's like this like this cycle but it's never boring ever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um when you're passionate about something like i mean we, we all know as a community how how much motorcycles mean to us and i don't yeah. i certainly don't think i'm the only one that feels so passionately about them um i don't know what it is about the metal little things but they just uh spark something within us that that um you know is exciting and, and that is worth being passionate about yeah. uh so yeah it's uh it's something that i foresee certainly um trying to to continue helping the community with um and to um to see if we can answer some some cries for help really with it as well Mm -hmm. yeah that's actually an interesting point i mean um you know i've just like i said you know i started writing three years ago gina started writing again at that time Mm-hmm. Um, there is just something about motorcycling and, and it's, it's not like you can't find it in other activities in life. There's cool groups of people in all kinds of things, sport, other sports. No, they're whatever. not as cool as bikes, so let's face okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> I don't care what the tennis players or the footballers uh, say. Football, okay. but, no. <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. But there, there, is, there is just something about it. And you know, obviously like in, okay, in my case, it, it took whatever, 53 years to awaken that thing. But uh-huh. there is something about it that seems, I don't know how to put it, it's just within kind of thing. It's inborn, it's, it's whatever. I have lots of all kinds of theories about it. What, what do you not, think? I'm interested that. to know what you think. What, why? Like, why, why is it so? Yeah, yeah. Why, I, is it, why is biking such a glue? I, I, well, part of it, I think, and I, actually I did, I did an episode where I talked about motor, what I call motorcycle philosophy. Yeah. And I think part of it is that when you are on a bike, First of all, you're, you're more exposed to the environment, to, to the mm-hmm. element. And if anyone knows, if, any, if, you've, if you've ever been upset about something, depressed, whatever, sad about something, right? Yeah. The la- last thing you want to do is stay in the house, climb under the covers, and kind of pull yourself in, right? Uh-huh. Because it, it just makes it worse. What mm-hmm. usually helps a person feel better is you go outside, right? You go outside, yeah. you look around, you take a walk. Look, it's like, oh, wow, look at the sky. You know, hopefully it's nice weather, whatever, whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be. And it, and it pulls the attention that you've directed inward to your problem and this mm-hmm. thing that you can't solve or resolve kind mm-hmm. of outward. So you've, you've got that, right? It puts your attention out on the environment. And especially on a, on a motorbike, you've got no, nothing surrounding you. In a car, truck, or whatever, you've got glass and metal and all this kind of stuff. So I think that's part of it. And then the other thing, because there are other people that do it, you have this community and like, you know, I'm sure you experience. like, you just go out on your motorcycle. It, it, I never drive around in my Nissan truck 
and someone comes up and goes, wow, that, that's a really awesome truck. Like, you know, how, how do you like that truck? <laughs> I how, would, because I have a Nissan truck as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but you ride around on almost any motorcycle. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it can be a scooter. And there's just something about it. Even people that don't ride will respond or they'll come up and talk to you. And so even there, it tends to draw other people in. And when you yeah. then engage with other people, you start to forget about your own problems. Right. And then maybe you put your attention on the other person and what their problem is. And then you start trying to help them with their problem. And then your problem just goes away. And it's like all of a sudden you feel better. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it, you know, and then maybe it's in the DNA, too. I don't know. You know, yeah, this I, is, I think this it, it kind of goes along with with also, you know, people have called them iron horses. Um, yeah. It, the certain freedom and um like I'm, I'm by no means a good horseback rider. You know, I'm terrified to be honest with you, but I won't get on one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but if you look back and you know, like the videos of, you know, medieval times and you see these guys riding up on these horses and they were the heroes and they were the guys, you know, the hardcore and they went out there and they rode and, and they went from place to place and they threw everything, whatever you could carry on your horse. And, um, you were at one with it, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, exactly. You're at one with your horse. You cared for your horse. You did everything for this horse and, you know, you fed it and you took care of it. And it, if it was hurt, you took care of that. Um, you know, I, I don't know, like Chris's philosophy or he says it's kind of, you know, in, ingrained. I happen to believe, you know, myself in, in past lives, right? Yeah. You, you've lived before, you've gone and you've done things before. To me, my bike at some point in time was a horse. You know, yeah, it was, yeah. it was my thing. It was my freedom. You got on it. It was how you could get anywhere. First of all, yeah. you know, you didn't go anywhere without a horse at some point yeah. in time. <laughs> um, and you, you wanted to just go out and take a ride and be one and sense nature and the environment and that, that feeling of freedom to me is a similar sense on a, on a bike, mm-hmm. you know, um, you can have that. And like, I, I notice every time we go out, like I smell something, I'm like, oh, I can smell the flowers or, oh, I can smell this or, yeah. you know, things you, you don't do that in a car, you know, or no. you don't, you don't have that and that feeling. And sometimes I smell things I don't want to smell, <laughs> but uh, well, I was just going to say, sometimes it's like, oh, the smell of horse shit. Well, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, there's plenty of stuff I don't want to smell. <laughs> exactly. But it's just the things that you do and you appreciate and you feel and you sense. And, and to me, I guess it just almost brings back those times of, of freedoms and things, you know, maybe not in a true sense of awareness of, Oh, it was that time back in, you know, 1800. No, you know, no, but that pleasure, yeah. that sense of pleasure to me comes back and I'm like, wow, this is, you know, this is that for me anyway. Yeah. That's how I feel. So that's what I love about it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because like, I think both both of your sort of like ideas around why it's so uh, such a passion and why it's such like a glue for people are, are completely different to one another, and and it's different to mine as well. And but it but it all sort of resonates in the same thing, and it's that that idea of freedom, of feeling small in a very big world. And and seeing the bigger picture, I suppose, a therapy, and you know, having that sense of um, uh, ownership of of your own fate, I suppose, mm-hmm. because you're in control of that bike, nobody else is, right. and you can 
you can pull that throttle and you can ride and you can ride it flat out and do whatever you want to do with that bike. You can seriously hurt yourself on that bike if you wanted to, or you can go and have some fun. And, you know, it, having that uh, carrot dangled in front of you, I suppose, it's a bit like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're in control of your own fate and it's, and it's, um, it's liberating. And I think having the, uh, having that vulnerability as well is really, really appealing. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, knowing that a slip of the wrist, knowing that a, a, a split second of lack of concentration or whatever can result in, in tragic circumstances, to be frank, mm-hmm. um, is invigorating it's awful to say it sometimes when you think about it but it is yeah yeah well, it, it, it it's, is. it's interesting adrenaline yeah 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 i mean one of the things that occurred to me is as you were talking is is how you're you kind of said it i guess you when you're on a motorcycle you're really taking your life into your own hands mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. you're 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 going i'm putting myself out there i'm taking this risk because of these things that i enjoy and uh-huh. I think you therefore feel that much more alive. And and it's interesting because I've heard people say that they ride because of the danger. And and for some people that might be the case. And like I've looked at it going, I don't ride because it's dangerous. I ride despite the danger. Like I acknowledge that it's there, mm-hmm. but I just want to do this thing. And so fine. So you do some things to to handle it as best you can. You know, you learn how to operate the bike properly and you you gear yourself up and you do some things to protect yourself. But other than that, it's like, I'm just going to go do this thing. Well, it's kind of like, and I'm not comparing it to the gym because the gym's boring and nobody likes the gym. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you go, you know, when you go to the gym and you go on a treadmill and you're like, oh, like, and you're slogging at whatever, 5K or whatever, like running. And then at the end of it, you sort of look, you look back and you're like, oh, God damn it, I did it. Like, you're like, geez, I've, I've actually ran that. I really did not want to run, run that. I right. put myself through my paces there. Um, I didn't think I could do that is one of the things that comes to mind. But then when you get on a bike, you know, you, you take a corner a bit too quick or, you you know, you, you ride up a, a hill that's a bit too steep in abbreviated commas and you get to the top and you go, ah, I didn't think I could do that. You, you're constantly challenging yourself and overcoming right. challenges and, you know, you will never go down a road on a motorbike and it'd be exactly the same situation as the one before you can do the same road a hundred times over on the same time of the same day and it will never be the same ride mm-hmm. so it's comp- it's always changing it's always different you'll have a different car there you'll have a different turn you'll have a rabbit run out you'll have a this you know what i mean all these different sort of factors are ever changing and that's i think what is really appealing as well is that it's never boring mm-hmm. True. unless you ride a specific I think that's when people get into trouble is when they start to think yeah. it is the same road and the same thing oh, yeah. and they, right. then they they're not there like yeah. right then and there in that present moment you know and then yeah. that's when they get caught up and they get in trouble you know and they're not ready for it yeah so, but I yeah. was speaking to a friend about this actually this weekend as well like um but one of the biggest appeals for me for a motorbike and people think, oh, like, why with that? But it's the fact that it's my invisibility cloak. I can put a helmet on and just <laughs> become and just disappear. Like <laughs> I just don't want. Like <laughs> sometimes you just need to just not speak to people. You just need to like go away and just put your helmet on and just 
literally disappear and you don't want to be like talking and you don't want to be you don't want to be sociable you just want to you just want to go on your bike and ride and and i love that i've got a tint visor i block out everything like the world goes (laughs) off i put my visor down and i'm like see ya i can see you you cannot see me (laughs) and i'm going and i'll put a big hoodie on and i'm like nobody knows who i am ha 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 and i'm riding down the road that's great that's awesome i love that you can just shut off from the world and you don't have to speak to anybody and you don't have to deal with anything and you can think about nothing else other than oh i need to slow down for this corner i'm going a little bit too quick into this one and 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 that's it that's yeah. that's all you've got to focus on is yeah. what's what's underneath and, and ahead of you basically um but yeah, yeah, even so he, he and i, I like when we ride together you know can do that like we used to always yeah. listen to each other in our bluetooth mm-hmm. and then recently it's just been more you know like we're on <clears throat> a longer ride it's like you know i'm gonna put some music on or you know it's like okay, we're good. We know we can talk to each other for a while, but then it's just yeah. like, hey, let's let's just put the then music on and ride. A moment, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, I did that on this trip recently. So I was speaking with a friend on the intercom for a bit, and then and then we stopped. And I was yeah. like, yeah, all right. Right. We, but we, you both know that you're in that little headspace and you're in that little zone, and right. you just want to let each other be in that zone and just right. enjoy your own your own experience. home space. Right. Yeah, and your own experience. Yeah, yeah. And we'll pull up to a light, you know, and he'll see me bopping back and forth to my music, you know, or whatever. He has and then, no and then what he's wondering, to. like, he's wondering what you're listening yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, is that better yeah. than what I'm listening to? Yeah, and he's really got some classical music on, like the ballet. And he's got a little he's more heavy, heavy, heavy metal, metal like, going on in his, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just funny, you know. It's like we're in our own zone, but we're still together. We're doing our yeah. own, you know. Yeah. It's, it's nice, like you said. You could just go off and. Sometimes you just need that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I like the point, Haley, that you made about with motorcycling, it's kind of, you, you, you can constantly be challenging yourself. You know, there's always that next skill to develop or that thing that you haven't done, particularly as a new rider. You know, there's so much that you're learning to master and get comfortable with. But then even as an experienced rider, it's like, all right, can I take this turn cleaner than I did the last time or can I do it faster than the last time? And one of the things I've also talked about is how I think riding, if if you like yourself and you want to stay alive, right? When you when you get on a motorcycle, you pull all of your attention to what you're doing now, and and so it, it's therapeutic to the extent that it's like whatever problems and stuff kind of go away because you're like I'm doing this thing now. I'm on a motorbike, and I want to survive this thing. So all yeah. of my attention is here. It's not about how much laundry, like you said, how much laundry is stacked up, or how to upset with the boss at work, or whatever. That all kind of melts, and and that in of itself, I think, is therapeutic. You know, it's, yeah, massively. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree with that because it's it, yeah. That, I mean, to to be able for me to be able to focus on one thing for more than five minutes is unheard of, and I think that's why I love bikes so much because I it's have always to. Changing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I have to, yeah. um, and it's yeah. It really is a, I mean, a lot of people describe it as a therapy and, and there's a reason for that because it is like, it, it really does sort of switch you off from everything else. And, um, and like you say, just draws your focus into the, the very much here and now and right. the, the vulnerability of being in the here and now and, and the excitement of being in the here and now and the, um, you know, the, the, the control element of being able to control your own fate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. yep. 
Yeah, it's Definitely. it's huge. And it is, I don't recommend, like people would say, you know, if you're upset, go take a ride. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't recommend doing that either. <laughs> but you know what? I don't recommend doing it, but I do it. Yeah. I, and uh, when I've been really pissed off, I've got on my bike and I've gone for a ride. And within five minutes, I am fine. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell was I even pissed off about? Like, I don't care. I'm riding my <laughs> yeah, bike. Sure, like, yeah, I'm sure. fine now. But yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. A lot of people, yeah, I'm not going to recommend doing that. But I do do it myself. <laughs> I, I think I think too, if you're a little honest with yourself, because there, there's times when I'm in a bad mood and I'm just like, if I get on the bike, it's just not going to be good. And so I, yeah. I, I don't. But there I are times where it's like, yeah, I'm in a bad yeah. mood. I got on the bike. Oh, look, I feel better already. Okay, right. let's go. Let's go for it. Yeah. And so I think if yeah. you can be honest with yourself like that, that's okay. You yeah. can generally yeah. tell in the time it would take you to gear up. You know, yeah, like, good point. like as right. you're gearing up, like if you're throwing your helmet across the room, right? Or you're, or you're probably pissed, not or you're, gonna have a good yeah, Do I need to go take a walk first before <laughs> I take this bike out? Or okay, if I just get on the bike, is it all gonna be good? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and yeah, it's, it depends on, I guess, the the what you're upset about and whatever it is, and yeah, yeah. yeah I like I just it, last week, it was like I just I need to just go take a ride, and I did, and it was like oh. Okay, it's all good now. Yeah. <laughs> Life's good. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah, so, I yeah. think if, if you're pissed off and stomping around the house, putting your gear on, maybe it's not a good time. But also, just you have to know yourself, and I think right. that's, that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. of so, course, yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're at about an hour. I know it's getting late for you, and uh I've got a ton more questions, but Haley, I'm thinking maybe we'll leave it for another occasion if you want to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think actually, this has been an awesome conversation. I think this is probably actually a good book, like this whole philosophy of motorcycles and why we ride. I yeah, think. we've gone very in-depth, haven't we? Yeah, that's what it's all about. I like it's probably, it. <laughs> it's probably like an end off on a high note, you know? <laughs> yeah, I like it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I like going like all philosophical with people. This is uh, yeah. Oh, it's, me too. It's, it's I have a deeper level too. of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and you know the the people side of motorcycles is one of the things I enjoy the most. Like I I'm with you. I totally love to just put the helmet on, be by myself, and ride. There's times for that, but mm-hmm. I I just love the people side of it. That's why I love doing these interviews. It's like you just get everyone has a different story and a different viewpoint and something different to share, and it's just so. It's so interesting. I mean, I love motorcycles. I love looking at bikes. I love riding different bikes, yeah. but it's. Not the human element, I guess, is really what intrigues me. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. As much as I say, like, I want to be a billionaire, mates, and put my helmet on and not speak to people. <laughs> Actually, like, you know, that that's on the occasions that I want to go and ride with myself. But the the sense of community is the only uh, it's it's the only community, and it's the only time, hand on heart, that I've ever felt um, like I belong in a community. And like I fit in, and that I am a like I have people that I rely on and trust, mm-hmm. and that um, I can be completely myself with, and um, not get sort of not get segregated or or, or anything like that. It, like biking and bikers have literally been the one thing that has has sort of changed my life and my perception on friendships and family and and all the rest of it as well so yeah it's it's been hu- a huge um positive attribute to to my life just becoming a biker it's mad isn't it crazy yeah it's awesome 
Yeah. It's crazy how it happens. Like you don't mean for it to happen. You know, you can go out and ride a motorcycle, and then all of a sudden, boom! You've got a whole family of like thousands of people, all that, right. and, and everyone's smiling and nodding at you, and then you're like, "Wow, yeah, hi guys!" That was clear the R, but hi! And it, it's crazy. Like you wouldn't do it in tennis, would you? Like buy a tennis ball across the court, and someone's like, "Oh, hi!" hi. Yeah, no, it work like it's that totally different. <laughs> and thanks to to like I said, I I've expanded out. I just remember sitting out front. You know, I was looking at my Facebook when it, this first all started coming about, and I was like, like I said, I felt like I my family grew all of a sudden to yeah. the entire oh, yeah. world. I was like, holy yeah. shit, you know? <laughs> How like, cool is it? Like wow. the cultures in it, yeah. and and like the di- like the differences of of women and the differences of style of riding and all Uh, that is what I love about it is the fact that you've got so much variety of the book with the same passion. And it's like, Whoa, you like motorbikes. You're the other side of the world. You're another woman who's so similar to me, you know, thousands of miles away from me and you've got the same hobby as me. And we connect through that one thing. Through that one thing. Yep. And it's just like, you just, your family just grew all of a sudden. Instant friends. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's mad. I don't know any other hobby that does that. Nope. It was phenomenal. It was, it's huge. Yeah. Well said. Well said. That was a, that was a perfect way to end off. I think. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I will stop talking now. Paul. No, 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 that's, that's no, fine. it's fine. I, honestly, I could keep talking for hours and hours, but like I said, I know, I know it's a little late for you. So, Haley, thank you. I really, I really enjoyed this. I think Gina has as well. It was oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Great oh, having you on the Thank you both for show. having me. It's been, oh, it's been awesome chatting to you both. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, when you got some time again, maybe we'll we'll, we'll do a follow up because, like I said, I, I'm I'm so curious. I got tons and tons of questions. So yeah, we'll do it. We'll <laughs> we'll do a part two. Oh, cool! No, it would be my pleasure. It really was. All right, awesome. You have uh, any favorite sign off that you use? Um, any not any really. any part any parting advice for the listeners? Uh, all I'd say is, uh, if you're going to do anything tomorrow, then go and ride your bike. Excellent. Yeah, yeah I think that's pretty much it. I think that's always going to end well. So, yeah, I'd say that. Go around your bike, guys and Good boys. Advice. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. All righty. All right. So, thanks, Haley. All You're right. welcome. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, we'll meet up some point during the uh, sometime along the Ripple or the, the relay when you're here in the U.S. I would love to. I will be heading back. I would love to meet. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Good night. In closing, I'd like to say thank you to Gina for being a co-host on this episode. And, of course, thank you to Haley Bell for coming on and talking with us. It was definitely a lot of fun. Really cool to just hear all about Werwer and how Werwer came to be and the things that it's doing and the, the impact, the effect that it's having on the, the world of motorcycling. So that's really, really, really awesome stuff. To my listeners in the United States, I wish you a happy and safe 4th of July, which is coming up in just a day or two. To all my other listeners, please enjoy the rest of the week and have a great weekend. And don't forget, I've still got stickers available. So if you want to help me promote the podcast, just uh, send me an email with your mailing address. I'll send one out. As always, you know, it's while supplies last. And I just say that so in case I get a humongous rush and a thousand people ask for stickers, I'm not in a situation of having to go out and buy a thousand stickers. It hasn't quite happened yet, but hey, you never know. You know, keep getting more and more listeners and things keep growing. So you just never know. As always, you can contact me at so you want to ride at yahoo.com or at my website, so you want to ride a motorcycle.com. 
If you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a donation using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis or click the donate link at the upper right side of my website. Please like and leave me comments and a rating on your favorite podcast service. That'll help other people find my podcast. Please also like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for So You Want to Ride or look for the links on my website. So keep spreading the word and help me build my online and listener communities. Thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 